You know, why should people earn money on day one of the month yet have to wait until the end of the month to receive the money they've rightfully earned, while 60-odd percent of the workforce are actually using some form of high-cost credit monthly to get through to payday? What we do is we fix that problem by giving people access to their earned pay, only ever their earned pay, it's never a loan, give them access to their own pay so they can control their finances. Welcome to the Payroll Podcast with your host, Nick Day. Find out what it takes to truly discover what it takes to elevate your career within payroll as we meet with the industry leaders who are shaping the industry for tomorrow. Hello and welcome back to the Payroll Podcast. My name, of course, is Nick Day. I'm CEO of JGA Recruitment, a specialist payroll recruitment firm, and I'm also the host of the world's first payroll podcast which is where you find me right now you can of course find the payroll podcast on itunes spotify and all of your favorite podcast channels it's also available on our very own website jjrecruitment.com and please if you haven't done so already please share it with your payroll friends hit the subscribe option so you never miss a future episode and if you're feeling super generous and you love the show please leave us a review so today i bring you James Herbert, who is the founder and CEO of Hasty, which is a revolutionary fintech business that drives financial health and productivity by enabling employees to choose when they receive their earned pay. And this is a hot topic within the payroll industry at the moment, so I can't wait to dive into this in a little bit more detail. Hastings Earnings On Demand platform provides financial education and management tools, as well as rewards and benefits via the Hasty card. Now, this is the world's first debit card that gives people dynamic access to their wages as they earn. Now, with two-thirds of UK workers affected by personal finance-related stress in 2020, which of course have been exacerbated by the pandemic we found ourselves in, and with less than one in five businesses offering a financial well-being programme to combat these challenges, and with pay-on-demand services being a hot topic, as we've mentioned, I thought this would be a great time to welcome James to the show. So James, how are you feeling? And welcome to the Payroll Podcast. Hi, Nick. Uh, Thank you for having me. Looking forward to having a good chat. back a little bit before we get into the nitty-gritty of financial wellness and pay-on-demand services, which is going to take up most of the conversation today. I wonder if you could provide us with your own outlook on the impact of, of coronavirus on workers and, of course, ultimately payroll in, in a way that you've seen it change. Yes, well, COVID-19 has been an incredibly polarising effect on, on the workforce, with 41% of the employees taking on more debt while a reduction in the number of people that are actually experiencing financial stress in the workforce has reduced from 82 last year to just 66% this year. So the impact is not consistent throughout the workforce, but is affecting certain groups, such as the 18 to 24-year-olds, who have been most severely affected by it, greater than those that perhaps have more of their income spent, which would normally be on commuting to work. Sure, sure, that makes sense. Because I don't think you know, the pandemic's obviously changed things around in terms of where we're spending money. We've noticed that with the impact on things like hospitality, but we've also seen other businesses really excel. The likes of Amazon, as people sit at home and and consumer spending in those kind of areas has 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 increased. So overall, then you mentioned there's been a forty one percent more debt taken on. Is that predominantly then within that eighteen to twenty four age bracket, or is is that a statistic that goes goes wider than that? 
it does go wider than that, but the 18 to 24 year old age bracket has taken on, oh, 57% of them have taken on more jet during this time. What we've also seen is those that are more reliant on high cost credit have been forced into it even further. So while, as I mentioned, 66% of the employees now are relying on some form of high cost credit, experiencing financial stress uh, on a you know, regular basis, that is actually down from a higher number last year where we had 82% experiencing financial stress and related to high cost credit. But the most worrying factor for me that has come out of 2019 to 2020, and obviously COVID being the huge factor in this, is that we've seen a big increase of those people that are applying for financial credit, doing so knowing that they are going to struggle with repayment. There is a massive liquidity problem where people are applying for high cost credit, knowing they're not going to be able to pay it back. And the 20% increase in people going through that to 59% of people that are applying for high-cost credit, doing so, knowing they would struggle with repayment. It's a massive problem facing the work. Wow. I had no idea it was so high. It seems seems crazy that um, the, the, the figures are so high. But let's take it then on to, to pay-on-demand services, which I mentioned in the introduction it is a hot topic for payroll professionals right now. Despite it being talked about, there was a recent CIPP member survey, which within that survey, I think it was 413 payroll professionals were, were surveyed and only 12% believed that pay-on-demand services were an attractive benefit for the workforce. So I think that's down to a bit of a lack of understanding about what pay-on-demand services are seeking to achieve. And I, I wondered then if, if you could help explain the benefits from your perspective of the pay-on-demand solution and, of course, of Hasty and the solution that you offer and, and how you're really set up to, to help rather than hinder businesses with the solution. Absolutely. So the old phrase, cash is king, and that applies to organisations as well as to human beings. You know, it's a matter of balancing your incoming with your outgoing. To, to match the payments with your um, expenses. And what's really interesting, actually, is it's actually only the 60th year anniversary after which there was legislation passed by the UK government to allow people to be paid monthly. Prior to that, it was actually illegal for companies to pay people monthly. Yet in that time period, we have been institutionalised around a monthly pay cycle, whereas the wave of technology is now providing people with on-demand access for almost everything. We control our entire lives through, the, through our, you know, our smartphones. So the two things have sort of, you know, diverged and been increasingly divergent over time. People have been finding it very difficult to manage their uh, their cash flow, their liquidity. Now, what on-demand pay does is, that, or on-demand earnings, is it gives people uh, the choice, the control over when they receive their earned pay. You know, why should people earn money on day one of the month yet have to wait until the end of the month to receive the money they've rightfully earned, while 60% of the workforce are actually using some form of high-cost credit monthly to get through to payday. What we do is we fix that problem by giving people access to their earned pay, only over their earned pay, it's never a loan, give them access to their own pay so they can control their finances. And we layer financial education and management tools on top of that to give them better understanding and provide the opportunity for them to make better decisions and control their finances better. Ultimately, driving improved financial health of the workforce, which in turn improves the productivity of their organisations. That makes sense. And I guess the idea then is to reduce the impact of these high cost loans are having, because if you're getting money on, not say on demand, but as you earn it, then you're not going, these individuals who say, you know, it's gone up massively, they're not going to need to continue to apply to some of these very high interest related loans if they've got access to money a little bit quicker. That's, that's kind of how, how it works. Yeah. So there's a number of really interesting things as well that go beyond just the access to high cost loans. 
uh, but actually the impact it's having on the human behavior elements to it, the productivity elements to it. You know, if you think about it, we're still hunter-gatherers, and that's not going to change for, for centuries, millennia. You know, the idea of getting out of bed and going hunting and gathering on day one and not eating until day 30 is totally alien. But actually, if you hasty and, and other on-demand pay products, we're able to better link effort to reward. You know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it frictionless from getting out of bed going to it, putting that effort, being able to use the fruits of that labor to manage your financial lives, to save, consume, and invest frictionlessly. Uh, and linking effort and reward is really, really powerful in driving productive behavior. So what we're seeing as well is we reduce absenteeism. People are focusing better at work. Companies are reducing their churn as a result and seeing greater employee engagement. So by introducing earnings on demand and giving people control over their finance, it's, it's helping the people, be their employees, be better financially prepared more financially healthy, driving their productivity. And obviously, you drive the productivity of your workforce, that's going to have very positive knock-on effects to the productivity of your organisation. And presumably, there's going to be an additional benefit. I know that your background is also in recruitment uh, at Bright Sparks, which is a much bigger firm than mine, but you're used to this in terms of, you know, one of the key metrics we look at as recruiters when we're trying to find top talent is do we want to find talent that's going to be retained by that business. So presumably, if that's a solution that you're providing where a competitor may not be, or if if employees are enjoy, you know liking this service, I'm assuming from your perspective, you're seeing some some good improvements in things like metrics like retention. Would that be correct, or, or have you done any analysis on that side? Yeah, we we have. I mean, I think it's quite interesting. Just sort of crystallise it with my, the, the background there. So this is a, a solution that I came up with that sort of 15 year overnight idea, the light bulb moment, having faced this problem running running bright spots. That employs, it's employed about 20,000 people now working within events and hospitality, and it's predominantly employing students and part-time staff and recent graduates to do so. And if you take an example of, although it was obviously cancelled this year, but take Royal Ascot, you know, the big famous race event that happens every year. And the students are, a lot of the students are going to go and work for, for that company, Bright Sparks at that point, and having just finished their final year, you know, their, their finals and exams for the year, and spent all of their student loans, been out partying and ready to earn some money for the summer, for the next year, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they, they're due to work from Tuesday to Saturday because it's a five-day event. And, you know, let's say they're going to earn £100 a day. Problem is, by Friday, a number of them are phoning up saying, I really want to work, but actually I can't afford the train fare to get. They're in what I call the cash trap. So, you know, if they had £20 to pay for their train fare, they could earn 200 and the irony, of course, is that they've earned money Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They just can't access that until the end of the following week, which is already too long. They're maxed out on their credit cards. They're maxed out on their overdraft. They simply haven't got another way of getting there. Now, that is not just a negative for them. It's negative for the organization because they're losing that great, you know, all of that human capital, all that talent that aren't able to turn up. And it's also a negative for the race goers because by the time you've got to Friday, you know, people have got up a real repertoire in the bars and the restaurants and the hospitality areas, and they really know what they're doing, and the service is improved and everything else. And suddenly, by losing that consistency of staff, it affects the, the end user as well. So it's a, it's a negative for all people. You know, as a lot of people within the, this audience will know, particularly if they are involved in recruitment businesses, that you know, there are options like invoice factoring out there for organizations. Now, you know, I kind of thought, well, why, why, why can't people do that? You know, uh, Johnny, who's worked Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, use the money that they've, they've earned Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday before it's practical or possible to really pay them to be able to get to work Friday, Saturday, and then earn more, which benefits all parties. So that was kind of where the idea came from. And we've absolutely seen that hypothesis play out with 
you know, a number of different businesses that we're working with, particularly in the shift workforce, are saying that their hasty users, you know, signing up to well over 20% more shifts. The surveys we've done ourselves are showing that 77% of people with hasty are happier and more engaged at work than they were prior to have hasty, prior to having on-demand pay as an option. They sound, they sound really good, really good statistics. I guess one of the things that I know is going to be on some of the listeners' minds as they listen to this is, on the other side of the coin, is there a risk that if you give employees access to their money earlier, they're at higher risk of spending it sooner, and therefore, when the end of the month comes, they're so used to that cycle, they've got those bigger payments they have to pay. It might be a mortgage, it might be their rent, it might be you know some, some of those larger payments, which it's absolutely necessary that they have higher sums of finance to potentially available at the end of that month if they're able to take it on demand does that leave them short later does that actually impact um you know the financial wealth negatively now i know i'm sort of playing devil's advocate with it here but i know it's a question that a lot of the pale community are having as to whether could it also have the adverse effects so i'd love to find out a little bit more about how the solution works how it integrates with payroll in that respect and and whether or not you've seen any of those negative potential outcomes or or are we just misunderstanding how the solution is actually actually operates in, in in real life it's a very good question nick and it's one that we we do come across regularly as you can imagine we simply aren't seeing that it's simply not the case to give you an idea, the usage of our app is, is really, really interesting. So our average user is withdrawing funds, roughly £70, four times a month, once a week. But they're in our app 1.3 times a day. So they're using it to much better understand their finances and to better manage their incomings and their outgoings around what it is they're actually earning. And it's providing a really close link between that reward. And as a result of that, people are becoming much better in control of of their finances uh, and is reducing their need for relying on high cost credit because you've got to remember a lot of people are in their overdraft they're relying on credit cards they're using buy now pay data etc etc throughout the month because they don't have another option just because they're not getting access to their pay doesn't mean that those expenses and those demands on their income have gone away and very often they come with higher costs they're not able to manage their funds as a result they don't have control over what it is over how they're spending so you know, just because one go and bust doesn't mean that suddenly everyone's cash flow problems are solved. In fact, what's really worrying and terrifying is that people are actually under more financial stresses because of the demise of the payday lenders. Now, you know, I'm totally behind that. They were they were predatory lenders and we can't allow them in society, but it's important to find another product. We're the exact opposite of a payday lender, but we solve the cash flow, the liquidity problem to help users. And by giving people the ability to to balance that effort with the rewards to manage their finances throughout the month is proving to be very, very positive on how they manage their funds, how they pay down expensive credit, and they absolutely have better understanding and save money for those vital required expenses at the end of the month or, or more importantly, whenever they occur during, which tends to be the case in the modern world. That certainly crystallised it in my mind to be to be quite a clear um, example as to how how it can be a real benefit and why hopefully you know those negative I guess sometimes ideas don't necessarily come to fruition because as you say they're accessing the money anyway they're just accessing it through different means which actually come with a cost so I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. The crazy thing which we think about it here as well is that the workforce is the biggest provider of working capital to the organisations. I mean if you're just looking at SMEs alone forget the large companies but UK SMEs. The workforce is providing roughly £35 billion of of working capital to their companies, their employers, every single month. In the fact that by being paid at the beginning of the month, not being paid until the end of the month for the work that you've earned throughout that month, 
that is providing them with working capital. Yeah, the company is quite happy, effectively borrowing from their employees. It's just the psyche that people have forgotten. To put that into scale, there's only nine billion pounds of, of business overdraft in the SME market in the UK. So 35 billion is a big number being provided by the workforce, and it's purely since since 1960 that this has been the case. When it before that, it had to be paid weekly. It's clear we've got used to a monthly pay cycle. That's the reality. It's what we've all come to know and love. And change is always going to be met with with resistance because we've got used to managing things in a certain way. But um, at the same time, you know, we've seen pay on demand solutions come into play in Australia. We've seen them come to play in, in the US and they're, they're being adopted very quickly and have already been adopted in those areas of the world. So I have no doubt we're going to see the same trend happening in the UK. And I can tell from the conversations we've had so far, you're obviously very good on your statistics and your data. I'm assuming you've done some analysis on the impact that that liquidity has on mental well-being as well. And we're seeing mental health being a really hot topic at the minute, particularly with the pandemic having an effect on individuals' mental health in terms of anxiety and working from home and isolation. Have you seen liquidity aspects impact mental health from your side of things? Uh, Liquidity is is one of the biggest causes of, of financial stress. And financial stress is one of the biggest causes of poor mental health. So financial stress, it, it, it creates poor mental health in 75% of cases of poor mental health. So the, the link is enormous. When I mean, particularly looking at the work we've done, we, we tend to focus on the workforce rather than the wider consumer because that's our, our target audience and the one that we, we know more about. But two-thirds of the workforce is experiencing financial stress at the moment, 2020. As I mentioned, that's actually down from previous years, which is, which is interesting, but it's polarization. But it's having a significant impact on that demographic, on, on those people. With 28% of the workforce, 28% of employees, their sleep is affected. You know, 13% are, are, are saying they're not able to concentrate at work. And a whopping 7% are actually off sick as a result of financial stress caused by not, not having the liquidity to manage their finance. You know, it is, a, it is a really big problem and a really big problem that has considerable cost for the organizations. Yet, despite that, only 18% of companies are, 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 as you mentioned earlier in the show, actually have any financial well-being programs at all. It's definitely an issue. I, I, I'd like to think that companies now you know, are starting to address the you know, well-being programs. I think we're seeing a lot of activity where you know companies are starting to address it in different ways. And I think financial wealth, obviously, as you made a very clear case for, there has to be right at the top of those wellness agendas. So I think that's interesting. From your perspective, then, are there any sort of hasty success stories, case studies you can tell us about that really demonstrate you know where those benefits have been experienced for anyone that's listening to this perhaps still isn't convinced? We have all sorts of different types of users. Uh, as you can imagine, we you know we work with the NHS, we work with hospitality, we're working with security, we're working within technology businesses, and it, across all demographics. I think what's really interesting as well is that this is the whole workforce that are affected by liquidity that that, that need cash flow. And one of the big things that we we have that's I think probably causing slower adoption in the UK is the good old British stiff upper lip. People don't want to talk about their problems. They certainly don't want to talk about their financial problems, and they want to talk about their financial problems with their employer even less. There's a massive stigma around. Uh, and that's something, you know, we've got as a society overcome. I do think we are moving in the right direction with the greater awareness of mental health issues, with the greater awareness of the link between financial stress and poor mental health and so on and so forth. But actually, when we were looking at the information, you know, the studies, the feedback we've got, our independent study found that, you know, 52% of people are more likely to stay at an organization that offers earnings on demand. But actually, if you're looking at smaller demographics, the highest 
retention rate or people are more likely to stay with the organization is 18 to 24 year olds, which I guess you would expect, 75%. But actually, the next biggest group is those earning between 75 and 100,000 pounds a year. And they wanted only just slightly, you know, 1% less, 74% of people earning between 75 and 100 grand a year are, are more likely to stay with an organization offering flexible pay solutions. Now, a lot of people don't think about that. You know, they've got probably more options available to them. They might have better credit. Therefore, they can really load up their credit cards. Often they're the ones that are applying, you know, pay their loans because they get past the community to do so. You know, they are in that bracket of 59%. In fact, actually even more of that demographic are applying for high cost credit, knowing that they're going to struggle with repayments. You know, they might have assets. They might, you know, they could have a mortgage to pay. They've got school fees, et cetera, et cetera. Cash is really, really tight. And people like that, that often the liquidity is, is so important. And, you know, you start thinking about it from a company's point of view. It's not just your, your variable staff who perhaps, you know, are a higher churn anyway, but actually really, you know, high managerial staff and people in senior roles that would be very difficult to replace are affected by this. And obviously, if their productivity is affected individually, that's a big cost to productivity of the organization. Sure. Sure, that makes absolute sense. So let's think about then to, we talked about wellness a lot today, and I want to link that to payroll, because personally, I think that the, the demand for hybrid skills, and obviously you've got a recruitment background as well, so I'd definitely be interested in your take on this, uh, James, but you know, the demand for hybrid skills is growing within the payroll community, as far as I see things as a payroll recruiter. And I think that's because, you know, the interrelated collaboration between payroll, reward, wellness, performance, all those kind of areas is definitely increasing. It's it's causing payroll to be more holistic as a function. With this in mind, from your perspective, where do you think the responsibility for employee wellness really sits? Do you think that wellness should fall under the responsibility of payroll? And how much influence I guess, do you think that, that these kind of solutions, for them to be implemented, for them to be brought in, how much do, of that responsibility, rather, do you think should sit within a payroll function or a payroll leader? I think what sits exactly with payroll and what sits in other parts of the organisation is probably up for debate. I think it's in the same way that the the more generalist, more hybrid approach is happening within particular departments such as payroll, I think that's happening across the board and we have to adapt to what's around us, you know, particularly as more tools come in to help with the mundane, repeatable tasks so we can automate those. That actually helps all people within the organization to be able to put their head above the parapet and and look at a range of different things and try and add more value in the ways that, you know, humans really can. And I absolutely feel there is a really crucial role for organizations to support their workforce. We're in a really privileged position where we can have a massive positive impact on the people we employ. Um, and we can do that because of a number of different features. And one of those features is you know, trust. And one of the reasons that employees trust their employer is because they pay them when they say they're going to. And obviously, as soon as you mess up payroll, which is why payroll is such an important task to get right, as soon as you mess up payroll, you break that trust. But trust is a really important, important thing. So when payroll or the organization that's driving it comes to the employee base and says, hey, look, we know that stuff is hard out there. We know everyone's got their own trials. They've got their own particular set of circumstances. But we're going to just put it out there. We're going to give you some access to this. But we're also going to try and you know, encourage you to consume that financial education, look into those financial tools, put some savings aside, put all this together and try and make your financial lives better. That's massive in, in sort of bringing to the surface and creating that engagement with, with the workforce. 
but also because of the trust you have and the engagement you have, people are, are much more likely to consume that information that are much more likely to benefit from it than they would if it was not linked to their workforce. So, yeah, I think I do think whether it's, you know, where the decision happens in the organization, I certainly think that as employers, we have a responsibility to look after our workforce, but equally not to control our workforce. So telling them when they can and can't receive and when they repay and when they can and can't do something, you know, the vast majority of our workforce are able to vote. Yet we're not telling we're not allowing them to choose when they how they control their money. Seems a bit crazy to me. So we need to respect our workforce, our employees. We need to give them the tools to put them in control, to to learn, to evolve, to educate themselves and to better manage and control their financial lives. Yeah, that, well, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, you, we've talked about a few things today, in, including retention. I think one way we can really raise the profile of payroll is, is to, you know, develop the concept that payroll as a function can be profitable. And that, that profit can, can be seen in many ways. And one of those is offering solutions that improves employee engagement, that improves financial wellness, that therefore improves overall retention. All of those things have a value that, that are very, you know, can, can absolutely have an impact on a company's bottom line. And I think, you know, from that perspective, pay on demand could be a, a pivotal solution for a lot of payroll managers who do want us to look at their payroll departments with that kind of mindset. So I, that's one of the reasons I definitely think it's it's here to stay. I definitely can see it accelerating over the coming months and obviously Hasty offer a, a great solution from that side. But one thing I know that payroll managers are going to be asking now is from, the, from a compliance and integration perspective – how easy is it to to integrate Hasty into your payroll uh, process, if you like? And are there any compliant issues you need to consider in terms of how people are getting paid, in terms of the payslip process, for example? How does it work? How does it integrate? Yeah, I mean, you're you're totally right on on adding value, and you know we're in a great position where all departments can, and with more metrics around it, you know, payroll teams can say, hey, look, look at this. We are now a profit center because we're driving this productivity within the organisation through the engagement and productivity of our workforce. So totally behind that, and the more we can do to support people across the you know the payroll market, provide that and prove they're worth the better. With regards to to integrating, look, it's super super easy. As, as you mentioned before, I, I, I built this off the back of my, you know, I, I, the idea came from my experience of, you know, high turnover, contingency labor force uh, and payroll and people weekly, et cetera, et cetera. It is designed to sync very, very seamlessly with people's payroll. It sits on payroll. We do not interfere with it. A lot of companies, obviously, rightly so, almost see payroll as sort of a national security issue. They don't, they want to keep control of it for that very reason. If they mess up payroll, it's a disaster and they'll totally break their trust and engagement with their workforce. What Hasty does is we have a relationship with the employer, uh, and then you know when the employer invites their or they announce it to their workforce, they're going to offer it. We then invite their workforce to, to sign up. That forms a tripartite relationship, and effectively, what happens is we provide the technology that enables us to know who is earning, uh, how much, and when they're going to pay. The principle is based on three criteria: identity, who is earning, who is working for who, and, and who owes who you know, income, time. When are they working and when would they otherwise be paid? And, and value, how much are they earning over that period of time? So our technology knows that and our technology makes everything work behind the scenes so we know how much people are earning in real time and enable them to, to draw it down. Then at the point of payroll, the company runs its payroll as normal. We feed into the payroll process, the deductions, so how much people have already received from their earned pay you know, in that month. The worker receives their pay minus what we've already provided to them. 
and the company pays us what we've already given them of their pay. So the, the, the mechanics of it are an increased frequency of pay. It's never a loan. And we provide the funding to the organization so it doesn't affect company cash flow at all with the company paying us on, on the day they would otherwise have paid their staff back. Have you ever asked yourself, how can I recruit payroll staff effectively? Please don't give up on your recruitment project just yet. Here at JGA Payroll Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top payroll talent. We also understand just how costly a poor payroll hire can be. JGA Recruitment are a niche payroll recruitment agency who will partner with you to resource payroll candidates who will improve both the accuracy and efficiency of your payroll department. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. So where's where's the cost element here? Do do, uh, employees pay a cost each time they make an early claim towards their pay or is is there a cost from the employer side? Where where are the commercials uh, behind this? Yeah, sure. So we have a a very simple charging structure. The first withdrawal everyone makes up to £100 every month is completely free. No one's charged anything for that. And then after that, for every withdrawal that's made via our app, it's a 2.5% transaction fee. So if someone takes out £100, it's going to cost them £2.50. So at the end of the month, if, if Johnny has taken £100 at the end of week one, £100 at the end of week two, they're going to receive their pay minus uh, £102.50, and the company will pay us £102.50. Now, we do have a handful of our customers that are forward-thinking enough that they actually fund this on behalf of their workers, but the vast majority pass that cost on. And then on top of that, we've just launched a card, which you, you correctly mentioned right at the beginning of the, of the podcast. Um, so we've, we've working with Visa, formed a partnership with Visa, whereby we've launched the world's first card that gives people instant access to, to their earnings. With that, there is a membership option uh, as well as an on-demand option. And people are also benefiting from cashbacks and rewards on their purchases, which can actually be greater than the cost of the, the purchase in the first place. So again, some really powerful dynamics on that. So people can effectively make money out of using Hasty. So not only are people are getting out of bed and going to work and being more productive at work, hopefully making them and their employees earn more money. But beyond that, we're making their money go further, as well as giving them the cash flow to better manage and control their income. It's a sort of a win-win-win situation. Great. Well, it sounds incredibly innovative. If I'm a payroll manager now and I'm thinking, okay, this sounds great. I want to introduce it into my payroll department. Where can uh, where can our listeners find out more about more about Hasty, James? Best place is to go to our website, www.hasty.com, or our LinkedIn page, and that's H-A-S-T-E-E. So hasty.com with two E's. Fantastic. And I will, of course, put a link in the episode notes, uh, in the show notes to both of those pages. I'll also put a link to, to James' LinkedIn profile as well. If you have any additional questions that I haven't covered today that you're desperate to ask before you know before going ahead, those are details on there as well. So you can reach out to James and ask further questions. But certainly it's been a really informative call. It's been a, a question that I'm, you know, a lot of questions I'm getting at the minute from the payroll communities about this pay-on-demand service. How does it work? And it sounds really exciting that you've actually taken it a level further with the, with the card and that relationship with Visa 
fees and that cashback options. Uh, so it sounds really exciting, sounds really innovative. Do go to hasty.com. That's H A S T E.com if you want to find out more. And um, remember, I should say as well, if you do have a payroll related vacancy and you're listening to this and going, actually, I want someone to implement this, but I don't know where to go because I'm so stressed trying to get the UK payroll done at the same time. I need someone in on an interim basis to help me. Then, of course, you can give me a call as well as a specialist payroll recruiter. You can get me at nick at jjrecruitment.com or give me a call 01727-800-377. Just leaves me to say thank you, James, ever so much for joining me today on the Payroll Podcast. It's been a it's been a really interesting and fascinating conversation about a subject area that I certainly didn't know enough about. So it's been so thank you for that. Thank you for explaining it in such such great detail. I think some of those stats are something that we can all take away to understand and, and, and show how we can really use pay on demand solutions to improve that employee engagement experience. So thank you for joining me today. Nick, thank you for having me. And actually, if you mentioned the stats, our study is available on online as well. So if people are stat junkies and want to have a look at that, a bit of bedtime reading, <laughs> they'll find it there as well. Excellent. Well, I'll try and put some additional links to those stats as well. We all like a stat when we work in payroll, right? It's a number-based game. So I'm sure there'll be lots of interest in those. Thanks again for listening, folks. I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the Payroll Podcast real soon. Take care of yourselves and each other. Thank you so much for tuning into the Payroll Podcast with Nick Day of JGA Recruitment. If you need help with a current payroll vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.